This podcast is brought to you by GameFly.com. Visit GameFlyOffer.com slash RPGamer to start your free trial with one streamable title. Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamers Editorial Roundtable Podcast. I am Scott Walker, and joining me for the recording this evening, in no particular order, is... I'm Nyx. <laughs> <laughs> that is super good and random. I'm gonna cut ahead. I am Max Storm. Ooh, I'm I, guess, inst- I guess we're doing that. <laughs> I'm Instatrent, and I hate my name so much. Oh, God. <laughs> and yet you'll be credited with it till the end of goddamn time now. Oh, well, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you had your chance Womp. to change it in this introduction, and you didn't. I just, I'd have to go Scorched Earth. That'd be so much work. I'd have to go back into, like, the staff bios and update all my, you know, it's just. Yeah. But I think Scorched work. Earth would be a cool new name for you, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, always. I mean, Scorched Earth is like the knockoff flash constructed version of, um, one of my favorite games. You know what we should do? You know what we should introduce ourselves as? What? Our, uh, Final Fantasy XIV characters. Oh. There would only be two of us that have. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a reason so, why we don't do that. The only two people that matter. <laughs> <laughs> introduce ourselves as our video game job classes that'll be maybe another time did yeah. we do that before yeah you did do that yeah. you you all announced yourselves as particular colors of magi well and then i was a, a real goddamn dragoon <laughs> i still take offense to that no dragoons are guys with muskets on horses it's it no none no. of this jumping and spears no. it, nonsense no. No, no, if uh, if Final Fantasy has taught us anything, uh, dragoons have spears, occasionally spend time around wyverns, and sometimes have the last name Highwind. You said this exactly the last time I made this point about dragoons. Exactly yes. that. And I stand by that. I stand by uh, Now, an alternative would be, uh, like, Legend of Dragoon Dragoons, where the people become half-dragons. We tried to forget the Dragon Knights. Of, we tried to forget the existence of that game. Remember, Legend of Dragoon shall never be mentioned again on this episode, on this podcast. Why? Because it's Dragoony. <laughs> Rose was cool. That was like you the only good dragoon thing. Say up in the background. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you for your two cents, sweetheart. <laughs> All right. So tonight we're we're talking about. Tie-in, tie-in RPGs, because they're a weird special snowflake case of the tie-in video game. Because tie-in video game is the worst idea. You never buy these. Not ever. Except for, and, unless it's an RPG. tie-in video game, not a tie-in, like Italian or some weird 
anything like that. Yeah, I okay, mean, like I, like Thai RPGs are probably fine. We're off to a great start. But all right, wait, but but we're we're not talking about Thai in video games. We're talking about Thai in RPGs specifically, right? Yes, and I'm actually going to say that there are an odd exception to the rule where they come off at least mostly decent, especially recently. And I I, I do want to dissect why and how we approach these differently when we're viewing. And I just want to start off with The Witcher Three because that game's wonderful and. It's because Witcher three is wonderful, and a yeah. lot of it has to do with being kind of spot on to the source material. And note that this is going to be the only. I think the author of that sort, the author of that source material, would heartily disagree with you, Scott. <laughs> well, is he's dead good? and therefore wrong. <laughs> is it is it really a tie-in RPG if you have no clue about what any of the source con- source material contains? Because well, I know what Witcher comes from, but I'm not familiar with any of the material, so it doesn't impact me any whatsoever. Well, that that's the thing, though, is that it's constantly reminding you of the source material, like it will not let you escape any of those characters ever. Cause it, yes, because it's in the same world as the source. It is it is the source material, basically, well, is what they're trying to say. It, it's not just that, but it's literally like, if you're going to trip over someone important, it's going to be almost exclusively a guy from the book. Well, all right, answer me this, then. If... Game of Thrones, the RPG, you know, ties in really, really heavily to the source material. You going in with no familiarity to that whatsoever would be a detriment. Witcher, same or no? Because I have no familiarity with the original stuff, yet The Witcher itself still interesting. Well, um, The Witcher won almost certainly because that it did the stupid thing where it gave Geralt amnesia and then still insisted on reintroducing every character from the books at the point where it didn't matter. So it's just like, I'm Dandelion. You care about me. You do. I swear, I'm telling you this. Trust me. And, you know, Geralt would mumble something and then, I don't know, the game would crash because the interface was terrible in The Witcher 1. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it works in The Witcher because... If I didn't know the resource material, I wouldn't know that resource material. You see what I'm saying? It does a good yeah. job of immersing it's, you with it that. It stands world. up on its own. Yeah. Well, and uh, okay, that that exactly. might be a that might be a yardstick we tried to set up for ourselves. Is does this have anything to offer to someone who is not a fan? Because I'm going to say that the Game of Thrones RPG that Atlas published is a weird kettle of fish and this is a different topic which is or lead us into a different topic where it's like how how deeply involved does it have to be because Knights of the Old Republic is a great Star Wars RPG that features zero characters from Star Wars it features it you know you don't you do not well, halfway through have to rescue Lando Calrissian and no, then but hang you out do, with him. You do meet like a tan version of Yoda, though. Yeah, well, there, there, there's definitely like, hey, we have, we have our Chewbacca, our Yoda, our Millennium Falcon. No, no, that, though, that was the video game designer basically yelling to you in code, "Hey, we have the rights for this now." Yeah, <laughs> we have all the things, like our things. Hmm. Uh, can you imagine if Bioware had said yes to the first pitch where the whole game was set during the Clone Wars? <laughs> oh, no thanks. Uh, pass. Hard pass. But you know what, with, uh, with, with Game of Thrones, I mean, I was the reviewer for that one, and 
I mean, I am, I like Game of Thrones. Don't get me wrong. I think there are better fantasy series out there that deserve an RPG game. Um, First Law trilogy. That being said, Game of Thrones, the one that Atlas had published, is kind of one of those games where it doesn't really add anything to the world and it doesn't really add anything um, that feels important. You get a couple important characters, which, by the way, like, they're only important in the first, like, two seasons of the show and the first two books. So not really knowing the source material, like, that game really doesn't add anything. Like, for all you know, it's generic fantasy RPG with not a lot actually going on. Whereas, I mean, if we look at the Telltale Game of Thrones game, that one actually did its best to try to incorporate characters, world building, lore, um, and it gave you a sense that it was a Game of Thrones game. Well, and and I guess this the, there there's two ideas I'll extract from that. First one is the additive nature, and that is how much of how much do you want a game set in anything? You know, complete hypothetical. Um, you know, how how much do we want the Simpsons RPG to enrich our understanding of the Simpsons? And how much do we just want it to be? I get to fan service. Yeah, fan service. Just just get fan serviced. And I mean, you know, they're they're I think and I'm gonna point to South Park Stick of Truth as being a great hair splitter where it's like, hey, we are doing a big giant episode and we're going to make the fan servicey bits sort of at the sidelines, like, you know, your your collectibles your neat your pointless collectibles are chin pokemon. Yeah. The South Park game is a good example of how to do it right because I have not been a South Park fan or I haven't watched it since high school, which was back in the 90s, late 90s for me, and I haven't paid the least bit of attention to it or watched any episodes or anything about it, yet still picking up the game, it was a good game just on its own. It just it stood on its own. It didn't have to have like current knowledge of anything like that. It was just solid. And I know it played on everything and was a good example of being true to the fans, but it didn't have to be current fans. It didn't have to be somebody that knew every little detail. Well, I mean, could enjoy like the, the side regardless. quests were kind of deep digs in a lot of ways where you're, you're, right. you're, you're just tracking down underpants for those gnomes or you're going to Tom's rhinoplasty so you can look like David Hasselhoff. My, my personal favorite was Find Jesus. Oh yeah, find Jesus. Find Jesus was like my those, those are those are deep dives. Twenty seasons later, and yet they're still Correct. all side yeah. material. They're 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 just like, hey, you only really need to know these these handful of semi recent episodes to get it. And I mean, and even there's stuff that's funny that even if you didn't watch the show, I mean, like they 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 recreate the jokes, like finding Jesus. Is a quest, and you have to play hide and seek with Jesus. It's it, it it's also the episode where they find Jesus, and he's just hanging out, and they chat with him. But it's also yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what I was saying about The Witcher Three, because with South Park, with Stick of Truth, I knew there was source material, but it didn't matter that I wasn't familiar with it because it was still entertaining without knowing it. But I think with South Park 2, I mean, you had two guys creating it who loved Final Fantasy games and were trying to kind of jokingly make what they thought would work for the South Park universe. I mean, there's nothing funnier than Cartman yelling at you to tell you to hit Clyde like they did in the olden times. Well, you have to wait your turn like in olden times. 
And I mean, they wrote in to the mechanics, whereas I think other games, the mechanics have to be taken as an abstraction of a different narrative element. It's like when you have to learn to fart. That is a great quest. <laughs> well, ne- never mind the learning to fart, but just the idea that they are leaning into this turn-based combat and just sort of saying it is part of the conditions of the weird quasi-LARP they've developed that you wait your turn. And they joke about it because they don't know better and they think the medieval times were an RPG. And I think other games just sort of say, hey, uh, this game's turn-based for some reason, but, you know, uh, don't really pay attention to that. These fights are happening just the way you saw them in the anime. Like like the Dragon Ball games, where it's just like, these are turn-based for no reason. Actually, no, Dragon Ball is totally turn-based. You, you, they are very good at waiting, waiting for each other's it, turns. You know, you bring up the Dragon, yeah, you bring up episodes. Dragon Ball, and the monolith soft Dragon Ball Z game that they made was actually really good. Like, it, but I'd say it's one that definitely was for fans, not oh, just oh god, yes, it, it was super super fan servicey to all the DBZ fans out there. Um, I didn't know anything about DBZ playing it really. Like, I knew the basics of it dodge but it was a show that i was just kind of like the show's dumb i'm not into it but it was actually mike minky who sent me the game he's like no no the game's really fun and then of course me going like uh mike minky he's telling me game's fun this could go either way (laughs) and it was actually a really fun game but that's because you know it's monolith soft and i was already familiar with you know some of their other games like especially it borrows the battle system from uh super robot wars endless frontier only with Dragon Ball Z characters and your attacks going to 9,000. Oh, that's important. You know, Monolith, uh, Endless Frontier also happened at 9,000 a lot, but I mean. It's also fan servicey. <laughs> it's also fan servicey. Uh. And that was a weird one because, like, you had to kind of understand where Cosmos was coming from. <laughs> oh, oh, and. Oh. And I guess that's that. That is the other subgenre of the, the tie in, the, the deep subgenre. Of the crossover game where we just throw everyone and anything <laughs> in and, you know, roll with it. Yeah, that is definitely one of those. And sometimes it works. Like Project Crosszone, for whatever reason, people seem to dig. Well, okay, th- this is getting into crossovers. I think as much fun as it is to have everything and everyone there bouncing around, it's also weird because it all the characters, it doesn't add anything to... No understanding of any of those franchises is richer for having them interact. Like the the fact that does Fran- it, but like does it have to? Like- I don't know. I think it's just sort of like we threw every character we were allowed to into this mix, mm-hmm. and whether or not that matters, uh, and nothing seems to matter. Like it's just like, hey, Frank West, because he's in a Capcom game, gets to recognize the other Capcom characters and point them out because he's a journalist. And it's just sort of like, I'm Frank West, and I know who all the characters from Resident Evil are, because I'm a reporter. And it's like, okay, you live in drastically different zombie apocalypses, bro. Right, but what if that's all you want? What if it's, that's just a fan service game, you know, like. Well, I, I, well, ironically, I think I've seen it done better, because Super Robot Wars, what I think about some of the robot mans is enriched by how they bounce off each other. Like, 
you know, and, and these guys are, ro- the guys who create this game are super robot fans, super huge robot fans. And they're just like, no, no, we're, 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 we're gonna make, you know, these characters better and more interesting by plugging all the gaps and what goes wrong with other robot shows. And so you get to see like Hiro Yui and Sose- Sosuke Sagara kind of add some depth to each other just by virtue of hanging out. Which is kind of neat. What about other things like the, I guess there's only one example of it, but I guess you could count the Division or the Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Shadow Wars on 3DS. Those type of games that are really just tied to something for no reason. They don't have to be the tie-in type games. They're just labeled that way for no reason whatsoever. Well, I mean, Tom Clancy's last significant contribution to the Ubisoft video game franchise was to point out that having the triple lens goggles for Sam Fisher in Splinter Cell 1 was really silly. A month later, someone made them. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't seem to Mm. care. Well, he's dead now, and he is not legally permitted (laughs) to care. (laughs) Oh, well, did did I actually tell you my uh, Tom Clancy story? No. No. Okay, so... Seems like an appropriate Tom. Um, it, it has nothing to do with the video games. Um, my friends Tom and Clancy were getting married, and no word of a lie, I, I like I was single at the time, and I thought, hey, I have a plus one. Why not invite Tom Clancy, the author? <laughs> <laughs> I still have the email because I I sent him this email that basically said, hey man, I'm not trying to mac on you, but you would be the perfect guest to my best friend's wedding. Will you attend with me? And he said that he wouldn't be able to make it, but that he wishes the two of them as much love as he has for his wife. Oh, what a sweetheart! <laughs> That's adorable. That is the greatest and then, story. And then he and, ever. and then he died. And then and then, and then he died. <laughs> and that's what happens when you decline a wedding invitation from me. There you go. Uh oh. <laughs> Trent hath spoken. <laughs> There's all right. Thinking of some other uh, tie-in stuff. What about the penny arcade games? I know there was the well, initial. Oh yeah, that that's weird because they're not Squid. set in the penny arcade universe at all. I mean, Gabe and Tycho are there, and they're definitely being Gabe and Tycho in that one is an idiot and one uses big words. But it's so they it, are in that universe. Well, yeah, except there's steampunk and mimes and elder gods and. Twisp and Catsby mean something. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing is I was thinking about that because I looked at, you know, I've enjoyed the Z-Boyd games. I liked, you know, Breath of Death 7 and Cthulhu Saves the World. But for whatever reason, you know, both Penny Arcade 3 and 4 looked great from a gameplay perspective, but I just couldn't get into them because I didn't give a crap about the Penny Arcade characters or anything to do with that world. Well, that that's a weird really case where... World. They're selling on the Penny Arcade name with almost no Penny Arcade in it. I mean, and looping back to around to co- back around to Kotor, you don't meet Lando Car- Calrissian halfway through. I just felt like I was constantly not getting some of the content, and that it was just like, oh, uh, maybe this would be funny if I knew these guys or cared about them at all, but I don't. I can agree with that. Oh, but I, I don't know. I, I really liked three and four personally. I I thought they were really charming in a way that I really didn't appreciate the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't enamored by the story throughout these games from start to finish, but I, I think it's still a decent game, you know? Yeah. I mean, the content itself, does like it have to be a perfect, stuff, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I guess the question is how, is it about doing the adaptation justice or is it about having a really good piece of content that, stands on its own right i think that's a tough call to make because i do think some go with the mindset of wanting to do the content justice and then there's also just having a really great idea and with penny arcade you know for those who aren't really familiar with it i don't feel that the games did a very good job of getting you to appreciate anything about it and like i know for me personally i couldn't finish the first two games just because i didn't give a shit. I just didn't. I played the third game and I enjoyed that, but that was more me enjoying the Z-Boy battle systems than it was the actual game itself. So I think that's I a hard one. That. Like that's a kind of a hard one to really to parse through. Yeah. And part of it for me was not having a good accessible system to play it on since I don't really do PC gaming and uh, my 360 kind of got unplugged pretty quickly. So uh, one day they'll accessibility. One day they'll put that on the Vita for you. Oh, I've asked. I've asked. Well, they've Never going to happen, but it would have been great. They've got a billion things <laughs> to do first, right? Yeah. Okay. And I guess... Um, here, okay, here's my question for when it comes down to review time. And you just sit down and you have X, the game of the book of the movie. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? How do you... Because I do this a lot in tabletop, where a lot of where right now we're on this crest of uh, tie-in and adaptation games, or we were a few years ago. So like I I got inundated with a lot of really good tie-in uh, games for a while there, mm-hmm. and I had to sit down and and it was for things I was a fan of, and I had to sit down and say, "Oh man, this is great! It's doing exactly what I want from the show." And I had to stop and say, "But is it good?" Yeah. Like like coming at Dresden Files or Leverage and saying, okay, this this is doing what the show wants in a novel way, but what does that mean to me? Well, and it's also thinking about how does it work as a game. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tabletop games. I mean, we've looked at, Scott and I personally, like the Slayers one. It's a oh, great setting, no, that, but the oh, system is crap. Yeah, that's, no. The system just doesn't work. It, we well, tried to figure it out, and we were just kind of like... Well, no, here's no. the thing. It does work, but it's a D20 game for comedy. Yeah, that too. <laughs> There's kinda that. awkward. And I mean, not every setting is going to lend itself to D20. Not every setting is going to lend itself to turn-based, unless they lean into it somehow, or ignore it altogether and let you think of all the fights as an abstraction. Well, Yeah, I think it, it varies from game to game. Like we were talking about before, you know, you can't really just look at one thing and say, eh, this one's going to work this way, it's going to be good, and you just don't know until you find that specific game that you're looking at. And I try not to base it really at all upon whether it's from a tie-in or not. I think that just kind of, the way it's handled kind of speaks for itself. And I think that is incredibly true when reviewing those kinds of games. Sometimes I think you have to kind of distance yourself from the source material as you're reviewing. For me, I had never watched Adventure Time when I had played um, Explore the Dungeon because I don't know. But weirdly, that little game made me go check out the show. And there's 
and it's weird because Adventure Time is set inside a video game. You know, the show, it has a video gamey quality to it, very deliberately on the creator's part. And have any of them really cloned Zelda effectively? Any of the Adventure Time games, the way the, the show does? The most recent one. Okay, the most recent one is... Which was name The Nameless Kingdom. The Nameless, Nameless Kingdom was through and through a Zelda game. Okay. And, and it made fun of Zelda repeatedly. And you, you were able to enjoy that without being an Adventure Time fan and find your way into it, which is almost the better case than, say, fan buys it because Adventure Time is on the box and then ends up liking it anyhow. Because the goal is to sell to fans because the name is on the box. And then if it's good, whatever. So mad about that one glitching at me in the final boss. Because I really did have a lot of fun with that game. And I actually thought with it being a dungeon crawler, they did a great job of making the characters really fun and kind of hitting the notes of the show without being excessive about it. Um, which is something I, I find when I'm reviewing a tie-in game. I don't really like excessiveness unless that's what you're starting off with. Like South Park, South Park just kind of throws itself into the lore that it's creating on top of what the show has. Whereas I found with games like Sword Art Online, there is a bizarre expectation that you should know what's going on. And I think that's a great example of, I had no clue what the source material was, and I was kind of sitting there and going, I don't get it, I don't get it, and I don't get it. And it gave me no desire to go check out the source material at all. Not just because it was a bad game, because mm. it's a bad game, but it's actually because there was something about the way that the game presented itself that felt very distancing for me as somebody who didn't know the source material. Yeah, some games just aren't friendly for that aspect. They really do play on the fact that this is for people that will know this content and they'll love it and enjoy it. If you don't know this content, oh well. Yeah, and that's really frustrating, I find, just because... We get a lot of weird tie-in RPGs where that is totally the case. You played Sword Art, and I think that game managed to highlight what is wrong about Sword Art. Like, it it put what is the worst things about Sword Art right up front for you. Definitely. Like, Scott Scott had actually seen the show, and I hadn't, so he's watching me. All two episodes I watched, and I'm like, oh. That's more than me. Well, then I saw you play the game, and I'm like, oh, God. The show keeps doing that? Oh god, I'm glad I stopped watching. Yeah, that one was a really, I think, awkward... Ironically, I think Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash would make an interesting video game. I can agree with that. I think that there are potential for tie-in games, but I think that developers, the ones that want to make them, really do try to put a lot of tender love and care into them, and I think they always try to strive for accessibility. Um... And then sometimes I do think it's a lot about banking on the name. Like, the Game of Thrones game is a great example of it was just trying to bank on the name. Whereas, How did an Eastern European dev get the money for that? Well, it was did, Spiders. So Spiders... Did, did they buy from Martin ages ago? I don't remember what that whole bit was, but I remember something along the lines of it was related to Focus Home. They had managed to get the license. Because they would have had to have bought that before the TV show went into production. Because I, I remember, and Mac, you can probably help me with this. Uh, Atlas only published for North America, did they not? Right. Yeah, because I believe it was Focus Home in Europe. And Focus Home has more money, I think, than people notice sometimes with some of the stuff they publish. Well, it's <laughs> it's they're a big deal for a market that's not us. And that's what it comes back to, I think. Yeah. 
I mean, there are probably plenty of South Asian people, uh, companies that we don't notice because they don't come over here or they're doing things from here for their market and we just, they don't gel. Yeah. We're oblivious also, to it's it. cyanide. Uh, cyanide. Oh, it was cyanide? Okay. okay. I, okay. Always get, I always get the uh, two of them right confused. Focus home. Yeah. They did the Europe, Australian versions of things. And well, this is or- it. Like, there's, there's a couple companies that, you know, they get the rights to different things and then they'll make the games. And, you know, a lot of it for them is it's just bank, which is, is sad because they need to get themselves out there. I mean, when we went to see In Exile a couple of years ago, that was something that they described to us about how in order to make projects like Hunted, they had to make a lot of bizarre property titles that they were just like, we didn't really know what we were doing. We threw it together. Then yeah, we, we had money. The bills. Then we made money for Hunted and Wasteland Two, and it was great. And sometimes that's kind of what happens: is you get these tie-in games where, again, there's not a love for the source material. And I find the ones that do have a love for the source material will always try to to make the player engaged. Now there are like the failures, like Sword Art Online, which well, for some art people would be a, a failure. failure. <laughs> Let's be honest: for people who love Sword Art. That game's actually perfect. Well, and th- this is where I come back to sort of like the cop-out three out of five review where it's just like, this game is not actually good, but it checks enough of the boxes so that the fans can say they got what they wanted. I'm trying to think if I've wrote any of those. <laughs> I I, I want to say you have. If I have, it's not coming to me. Because I have reviewed quite a few of the tie-ins. I'm just trying to remember. I think Adventure Time was actually the one. Yeah. And, but again, I think I appreciated well, okay. that more um, after. I'll, I'll back it up to a game I played that I would have given a 3 out of 5 because it checks, ta- checks enough of the boxes, which is the Bleach Tactical RPG. Oh. Where it's, this is in no way what Bleach is because it shows just how badly shown in action fails to make sense in any context because you're actually get to apply a limited amount of tactical thinking to every combat and oh you win so much easier if you think for a change characters from shonen jump anime (laughs) well how do you feel though about games like but it was it ticked enough of the boxes to be like okay everyone's here everyone they've they've got all the right in jokes in place and it whole it doesn't break so three out of five I think that is that is a loaded a loaded thought. Well, um, I mean, if no one's going to tack, well, we we are the show that tackles the loaded thoughts. I I know with Adventure Time for me, um, a lot of those games they had their moments where you could see that they could have been a lot better. Um, Nameless Kingdom is probably one I would say where you know what it did enough of the fan servicey for the fans, and it was still a functional game. I don't know if I would have scored it lower. And I don't think I would have scored it higher. Without Finn and Jake? I could have survived without Finn and Jake, but it just would have been a boring Zelda clone. Especially if, well, no Finn and Jake means no fake dungeon with uh, Lumpy Space Princess. That was pretty great, actually. But, I don't know. It's like, I I was going to ask, since, you know, Scott, you watch Animu, how do you feel about games like Yokai Watch, where they have that strong presence of... Um, both a TV show and a game that are simultaneously being put out together. Okay, so so I, I I have this in the outline. So this is a point that survived contact with Sam. High five. No. High five. I'm not high fiving you. Okay. I'm high fiving the phone. 
<laughs> Thank you, Trent. And you do, do you normally record this on the phone? Yeah. Okay, I will make that uh, a note of that when I put together your Christmas box. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the thing Anna and I are going to do. We're, we're buying equipment upgrades for the crew. Except for me, because I'm with Scott. Yeah. But, um. I'm so- with stupid. <laughs> Love no you. daddy is stupid. No mommy's stupid. But, okay, so getting, getting back to, say, the, the, game that is also an anime that is also a weekly comic book that is probably got like a radio show in japan right and i think the multimedia extravaganza just burns me out like it it burns me out like there was a point in my life where i was actually playing the game playing the card game watching the show for pokemon and yeah, I mean that that's the goal, right? Is to have me spending all of my hun- all of my allowance on one franchise and having a hobby dominate my life for a year and a half. And that was, that was a sweet year and a half though, right? Oh, it, it was pretty sweet. I had a pretty good deck. I had a pretty good deck for Pokémon somewhere. And but yeah, it also means it burns me out and even revisiting it now and this is the anomaly, right? That the fact that it's become an evergreen franchise means that I've never finished a Pokemon game since that peak period. Cause I'm just like, yeah, I know okay, how this game works. I've seen what's new now and I can walk away getting back to last episode. Like I see what you're doing and I can go. Meanwhile, I play every new Pokemon well, iteration with the same level of happiness that I did the first yeah, time. Yeah. But at the same time, Okay, you were probably neck deep in it back in 2000 as well. Oh god, yeah. yeah I had toys though. I was not a card person. I was I bought the little plastic figurines and they had adventures. Okay. Sandshrew was my favorite. Well, and, awesome. Well, actually, total tangent, but the best single the single best tabletop RPG, single best-selling tabletop RPG of to- all time was Wizards of the Coast presents Pokémon the Junior Adventure Game. And it was this kind of weird hybrid of those lone wolf choosing your own adventure books with some dice rolling why haven't we been playing this because the best-selling tabletop rpg of all time was canceled for not reading meeting sales goals i'm so depressed those books don't exist and command a lot of money on ebay now damn but but i'm i mean and it it there you can get to burnout points like i'm sure there are a dozen other sort of like 9 to 12 year old directed franchises that have a game a show and a comic and a card game and gacha well. toys and everything that i'm like yeah <laughs> i can't i can't do this and i mean i'd be the same and i'm kind of glad that i can set the wisher aside and we'll probably do a new game plus playthrough later on Mm-hmm. Much later on, just as they're launching Gwent as a free-to-play game on <laughs> the tablet space. Mm-hmm. One other thing about tie-ins, though, that I find interesting is how sometimes it can cause problems for developers. I don't follow the the big robot games in Japan, but apparently that's been one of the big problems about getting some of those over here, has it not? Well, okay, All that's different. That that's the weird kind of its like, own can of worms. <laughs> it, it's a whole can of worms where. You you make a you make a tactical role playing game with twenty robot shows and you're like, hey, this is cool. 
Let's try to release one over here. Oh, wait, we kind of have to untangle whether or not... Licensing nightmares. The the licensing rights. And ostensibly, about two years ago, when the anime market crashed in North America hard with um, Tokyo Pop and Bandai and Pioneer dying on the vine, they could have gone back and done it. Like, we could have gotten one. But, um... Apparently, sales of uh, whichever OGs proved that the, the game was not viable here and they didn't have to. So, we don't. And now all those rights are back out and distributed. And so, not, re- not just you. that, that would be a localization burden like Trails in the Sky Bad. Well, okay, there's there's a lot of lines of dialogue too, which doesn't lines help of dialogue on top of making sure that the licensing on top of the fact that well in doing localization even things like characters to still be the way that they are presented well even doing things like music rights and people overlook this and this this is a deep dive into super robot wars but uh music rights would require them to get duplication rights for a new territory and that has hung things up for a long time and fans get pissy about it and i'll point to a very real example so the TV series Zeta Gundam, all of its opening and end themes are Japanese covers of a, of Neil Sedaka songs. Neil Sedaka will not let those covers be republished in North America, which means if you buy Zeta Gundam on Blu-ray in North America, thank you, right stuff, <laughs> you don't get those versions of the songs. Fans, Neil Sedaka. Sand. Fans will not shut up with it, about that. They have not shut up about it for 10 years. North American fans have refused <laughs> to buy Zeta Gundam because it doesn't have Neil Zedaka songs on it. And Neil Zedaka songs are f- terrible. <laughs> Happy birthday, sweet 16. Yes. And it's only it, what I remember. And, that, and imagine having to do that 30 goddamned times. Yeah, that's that's just mean. And that's <laughs> why you can't buy Super Robot Wars Zeta uh, Z3 in North America. Gotcha. I'm sorry I asked, but womp, that, womp. it is good to know. <laughs> you know, I w- just because I was fearing getting us off topic. But well, no, it's an interesting so. it's an interesting sort of conversation when you think about it. That there's so many different loopholes that you have to go through for certain kinds of licensing i mean you just look at just even in the movie verse you know like x-men is a great one it's still owned by fox (laughs) well i mean and and this is it it's all these weird little things and i and there's there's one sort of tie-in game we haven't talked about yet is is it x-men no it's kingdom hearts oh that wonderful mess (laughs) and i mean and i i i think and I don't know what to say about Kingdom Hearts because it's not really capturing the feel of Disney. The uh, first, like, the first game really was the only one I think that did the best yeah, job of it. Wander in to the Alice in Wonderland levels, and it's just a goddamn interface screw. Like it doesn't have what Carol was trying to do with one Alice in Wonderland. It doesn't really have much to do with the movie version that Disney put together. And you have to stop every five minutes to fight monsters that have nothing to do with any Disney property. 
And well, it, tonally, it's really weird, too. Yeah, it's also tonally really weird. So it's just sort of like, we put this this skin, like like Disney let us use these 12 movies, and we put those skins <laughs> on our RPG for each town and each quest yeah. hub. And then at the end, uh, we, we talk about, you know, dreams coming true and letting your conscience be your guide. So that's what makes yeah. it a Disney game. And, and I think that would it's, explain It's only sort after. of spiraled down from there. That would explain everything after the first game, because afterwards it was just like, oh, well, here's a Disney character. And oh, yeah, here's a bunch of stuff that Moore has come up with that's just absolute garbage See, and that was my uh, but you get to summon series. dumbo to for for heals and xp that was Yay. my heartbreak with that series because there was the potential to make it feel like both things and they didn't really try to do that it's like yes well, goofy and donald are your party members they made a square game and they forgot the heart and soul of the other half well they didn't they'd even get the heart and soul of a square game yeah <laughs> like they they don't have that tightness of a Final Fantasy where you have an ensemble cast that really pops and it bounces off each other. You don't <laughs> have, you don't have that literal sense of crazy anything and everything is on the board for the setting. Yeah. You just have this game that Disney allowed Nomura to make grudgingly. And yet has become super insanely popular despite no longer making, having no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but well, not making no sense, sense. And, and to be honest, and no longer having the specialness that it once had in the first game that I liked. Well, and that's it. Is people and getting back to my crossover ideas is that people come back to me and say like, no, no, this this is a game where like Jack Skellington can ride Tron bikes and stuff, and I'm like, no, no, it's not. It is a game where some kid with a pure heart and unclear goals wanders into a scenario where they can ride Tron bikes with a terrible interface to thwart the villain's unclear goals and then go talk to Jack Skellington. Can I just derail this whole thing to say thank you for allowing me a chance to express my displeasure of Kingdom Hearts in this episode? There this is podcast. always there is always room to to stab at Kingdom Hearts. Someday soon we will get into a thorough dissection of Square Enix as a publishing house. All and hate mail, please direct to me via Twitter or email. I'm, I, I welcome it. Yes. I will we, take it. Well, here's the thing. Hold on to that hate mail because that'll be part of the episode. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I still welcome it. I Oh, we revel in that. Kingdom Hearts was that game that I remember buying. Actually... Little story time. My mother was excited for Kingdom Hearts. My mother, who didn't play video games. My mother saw the advertising was like, oh my god, it's Disney characters in a game, and they look like they're having a blast. We bought the game. She sat down and watched me play it, and then she was like, this is crap. Where's the Disney part? And as I got further and further in the game, my mother, the most hardcore Disney fan ever, she spent more time yelling over my shoulder about how inaccurate a lot of the areas were, or why couldn't they make it more like the movie, or why couldn't they make it more... I just remember how upset she was the whole time watching me play this game. And I remember she actually one day took it out of my PS2 and was like, never again. Yeah. Well, I, to be fair, I, I think 
I think we're stretching the bounds of adaptation when we talk about Kingdom when we talk Hearts. about Kingdom Hearts. I know, but I think it's, it's I I think that is no no offense to your mother, of course, but I think it's an unfair expectation that a game absolutely that sells its, that that it sells itself on the prospect of having glorified cameos of Disney and Final Fantasy characters uh, to expect something different than that well, i mean kingdom hearts is weird it, and it is what it is and i actually uh, don't disagree with you trent because i think when i look back at that situation my mother was expecting nostalgia right when you think right. about it you have all these characters that are beloved thrown into a world where they could have made fun shenanigans and they couldn't even figure out how to make fun shenanigans and i like fun shenanigans that's Everybody one of my loves favorite kind of shenanigans, shenanigans. Yeah. Everybody loves shenanigans. Like, I mean, that's like fun shenanigans are like two steps from monkey shines and monkey shines are just the best ever. <laughs> and that's what I mean. I, you know, I went into it. I remember just being confused a lot of the time because there was also that part of me that I think had the same expectation that she did when I was playing it. Well, also, it's like, why well, are Goofy and Donald friends? They actually don't like each other well, at all. They don't. Okay. Goofy and Donald don't interact much. That's why he uses all your healing potions it's just <laughs> donald's a jerk <laughs> uh and goofy's an idiot and why are they on my team <laughs> let's be honest we all liked when we could replace them uh, with tarzan and jack skellington beast okay sorry okay we're, we're done with kingdom hearts because well that, kingdom that, hearts that's is an our upsetting kingdom, topic that that's our kingdom hearts rant it's an upsetting topic it, it is upsetting kingdom hearts upsets everyone but i think there's this weird sort of like ultimately when you when you put the 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 someone else's trademark on top of your game you are bringing a lot of baggage with that and there are a lot of studios that are not or will not carry that baggage any any reasonable distance and you know what like hats off to obsidian for south park and hats off to cd project for getting witcher 3 getting the witcher right on the third try <laughs> but i think ultimately i look at the rpg tie-in as being even harder than getting a regular tie-in game right i don't know if I anyone think, else i think that's fair i mean but to the same point i think a lot of the tie-in video games that are RPGs are better by virtue of being RPGs. And usually they're better as a result of the necessity of refined storytelling, you know? You know what? Fair enough. And I think we didn't even talk about Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but just saying, hey, here's some crazy shenanigans with superheroes. Go punch, the go, go punch some mooks. Let's just not talk about that Silicon Knights one. Don't 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 be hating on X Men Destiny like that. I actually know the uh, the head developer and producer for that game. He knows I love him dearly. You know, he also fully admits to jobbing it. <laughs> what do you mean by jobbing it? Okay, so okay, I'm to completely misinterpret a word from wrestling, but sometimes you just get handed the assignment and you fulfill. The exact letter of that assignment, whether you like it or not, and you say you and you claim victory by having virtue of fulfilling that letter, and then you run, run away. It's almost like Silicon Knights was misappropriating funds for some sort of doomed attempt to resurrect Eternal Darkness three times in a row. 
Dun, dun, dun. But Mac, what what do you have to close out on? I am happy if there are very few more tie-in RPGs, unless it's something like The Witcher. I'd like to see things like that happen. Something that is totally not taking, you know, just fan service and trying to crap it out. I like when it's something, I guess this is something I hadn't even thought of. Would, like, the Mario RPGs be considered tie-ins, really? Yeah, I, I know mean, definitely. They kind of are, but kind of aren't, you know. Mario's well, they, always they've, a video th- game, th- those teams have always have done their job to make that its own franchise. Yeah, exactly. So it, it is and it isn't. But I, I like stuff like that. I'd like to see more creative things like that. Something that takes the look and style of a pre-existing game or piece of work and does something new and fresh with it in the RPG genre without it being, you know, just like a cheap cash-in or something like the, you know, like the Bleach game. Well, this is why I'm excited for, and nervous for, South Park Fractured But Whole. I mean, my my favorite episodes of South Park actually have to do with them being super, super best friends. Um... And there's that part of me that's wondering, is it going to be as fun as Stick of Truth? Is it going to be very samey? Is it going to be... Are are they going to find a way to creatively mesh the plot and the gameplay together the way they did the first time? Because on one hand, it's like, you've kind of, you've seen there, been there, done that sort of thing. But at the other hand, it's kind of like, is it going to, is it going to be as entertaining as that first game? And then I I worry about things like, you know, getting Sonic Brotherhood again Uh, or something like that. I don't want, I don't want that. I want, I I like that in concept that they tried something, but Sonic tries a lot of things. They haven't tried success in a while though. Less Sonic Brotherhood, more Super Mario RPG. You know, let's, let's aim on that side of the spectrum. Can we can we yeah, have the old a- Super Mario RPG though? Because I really love that one. Isn't that on Virtual Console? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a should, great game. We should grab that. Make a Kirby Tactical RPG. <laughs> that that I'd actually, buy yeah. If you brought in this guys from Squeak Squad, that'd be a hell of a game. Yeah, I'd love that. Nintendo free idea. I'd not love that. no not free. Send us one yacht full of money. Good luck with that. It 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 can be a Canadian yacht full of Canadian money. <laughs> so they're gonna give us Monopoly money. No, they're going to give us Monopoly money and a yacht. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I know there's feedback, but I'm I'm done. <laughs> All right, so Trent, <laughs> My brain's broken. What, what do you have to finish this off on? Because Sam is nagged out. I would say that this is a weird subgenre of a subgenre of a genre, and... <sighs> I guess some good games have come out in it. I've never really thought about JRPGs that were based on existing material before. We we didn't even necessarily talk about the D&D adaptations. That might be... That's its own mess. That's its own mess, and I may need to assemble a group of weirdos who are deeply immersed in D&D to chash that out. Not me. I know. Yeah. Keep your wife out of this one. I played D&D when I was 10 once. It was cool. I liked it. I played D&D now. Back when Elf was the class. <laughs> back at the Y, back in fourth grade. It was awesome. All right. So our, our, I guess our closer question before we go into feedback is, is there a property we want to see the RPG of? I just said it. Kirby. Kirby. Bring it on. Yeah, we, we did come with Kirby. I would love to see 
a new Paper Mario game. <laughs> You're getting one in, at the end of the week. I know, I know, but I, I meant like the old RPG Paper Mario's. Uh, no, uh, I I don't know. I like. I would love to see another really excellent Star Wars RPG. If we're being realistic, um, I'm not necessarily saying Kotor three, but uh, it would be good to return to that universe, but in in, a, in an RPG. I getcha. And you know what? There's a half chance that could happen with EA's weird contract. So I I have a I have a pick, Scott. My my pick is I want to see a Steven Universe RPG developed by Monolith Soft because actually that makes perfect sense. That would be so weird. It'd be so weird and amazing, especially if it was done like Super Robot Wars Endless Frontier. It'd be on DS or 3DS and it would make me super happy. And then you'd have to like fight Steven and the Stevens because they're all the same guy. <laughs> I really love Steven Universe. <laughs> you know, that. Steven Universe could actually work, and I think what I want, and we're, we're, we're creeping ever closer to it, and that that's a Deadlands RPG. You mean Hard West wasn't Deadlands? Oh, Hard West is close, and that's why I mentioned the creeping, but uh, if you don't know Deadlands, it's a tabletop setting with um, set in an alt-history 1880s with... Uh, magic, steampunk, kung fu, uh, horror, and madness. And we ran a really good Deadlands game that had a kung fu nun, a cowgirl who used sexuality to get out of all her situations, a guy who dealt with the devil by gambling, and then a crazy guy who was being followed repeatedly. Yeah, and it's a good game. It it's it's just a great genre mash western game. And I hope they get finally get something out of it because it's a the setting's pretty cool and there's a lot of lot to be mined out of it. And I mean, honestly, my pick before you know the announcement from two years ago where CD Projekt is putting together a cyberpunk game that would have been my pick. But there I am. I hope I can play a nun. I hope so too, Sam. But before we go to feedback. I'd like to let you know that Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you a chance to check out their new service, streaming games directly to your smart TV or a set-top box. Uh, Gamefly has a library of 8,000 titles to choose from, but we're going to recommend South Park Stick of Truth, a game we talked a lot about in this episode. If you haven't had a chance, feel free to dig into this. Tell us if we're right or wrong. Just all you have to do is visit uh, GameFlyOffer.com slash RPGamer to start a free 30-day trial. Thank you very much. So getting into feedback, um, Resorters Disa seems to like the fact that we yell at each other, which means my strategy of just pushing Trent's <laughs> buttons at least once per episode continues to win. Thank you. Oh. We love you, Disa. <laughs> and, um... Oh, yeah. Last time we were talking about what makes us quit, and everyone seems to have their own breaking point. And thanks for sharing those. And sometimes, yeah. and I, I think it's interesting to see what people will, how people decide whether something's worth completing, and how they short sort out their backlog that way. That's how I do it without you yanking the controller out of my hand. Sam, you needed me to yank the controller out of your hand. 
was like what one time maybe twice maybe twice i have a problem people i'm sorry i like to finish things i feel like i got my money's worth it's okay we feel you yeah i'm crying a little bit (laughs) all right all right so uh check us next time obviously continue to share your comments with us and um share with your friends and uh any and all hate mail about kingdom hearts we will archive for the purposes of a later episode oh yeah oh yeah send it to mac he loves your uh your hate mail apparently i will drink the tears of those (laughs) upset with my dislike of kingdom hearts and I think next time we're going to play Armchair Designer and talk about Jorbs. Sweet. I'm excited. Just because I have a rant about class systems that I've been sitting on for five or six years now. I'm a bard. Night. All right. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. Have a good night. Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, there's video. Yeah, I'm, I'll probably turn that off in a minute, but Skype... 10 damn years you can turn video off and on at will. Peace. <laughs> I'm trying. No, I like your no, staircase. No, don't point it at me. No. <laughs> Y'all have a nice house. Thank you. This is the basement. You're welcome. That's my pile a, of empty there's beer. There's a dog on the floor. Uh, there's an R2D2 cooler in the background. Yeah, he has some beer in him. Awesome. That, oh, look, it's Mac. Oh, it's Mac. Oh, man. As I sit in bed. There's some chairs. <laughs> We are awkward. Kelsey! Team Kelsey. Oh, there's a shark! (laughs) That's the best! Oh, yeah.